Guys, before we get into today's episode, I have a really important announcement I want to make sure you do not miss. March is going to be a really exciting month in the Primal Potential universe, and I wanted you to be the first to know that I am hosting a completely free training on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You do need to register, and the easiest way for you to do that is to just find me on Instagram and message me with the word tips, T-I-P-S, tips, and I'll send you the link to register. Otherwise, I'm going to make a point to put it in the show descriptions, but message me tips. It'll go to you automatically. Get in touch with me in any way you can if you want that link to register, and for some reason you can or can't figure out how to message me with the word tips, but that's going to be the easiest way because here's the thing. There's a lot of things that we want to be able to do intuitively, automatically, without so much hard work and effort. But to get to the point where you're doing it intuitively and as a matter of habit, you've got to do it intentionally. And that comes with a lot of challenges, whether those challenges are our own excuses, our fears of failure, All of the past times we've tried and failed that make us doubt that we can do it, or maybe it's social situations that pull us away from our goals. I want to walk you through a process of creating your own personal protocol that takes into account all of the unique factors about you, your preferences, your lifestyle, your most common excuses, your fears and your doubts. And I want to take you through that process live in a format where I can answer your questions in real time. And we're going to be doing that on this free training that again is Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Find me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Message me the word tips, T-I-P-S, and I'll automatically send you that link so it can happen really fast. You don't have to wait on my reply. That's the best and easiest way. I'll also, moving forward, make a point to put the link in the show description, but I really want you to be there. It is live. You do have to register. It is Thursday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Mark your calendar. Make sure to register. I also have some pretty exciting announcements Maybe the most exciting things that have happened in Primal Potential in the last almost 10 years or coming up on 10 years, I really want you to be there. Message me the word tips. I'll automatically kick you that registration link. If for some reason you can't do that, send a smoke signal, flag me down, find a way to get in touch with me. I want you to be there. Mark your calendar now, and I will plan to see you for that live training Thursday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. I'm so excited you're here today for real, for real, for real, because this is hands down one of my favorite episodes of the podcast to date. And I think that it will be one of yours as well. It is powerful. It is real. It is raw. It represented a big risk. And it changed my life. Truly, truly, what you're going to hear today changed my life. And I know that it has the power to change yours too. This episode is about how to let go. How to let go of what is in your way, even when you don't know what that is. We start talking about connection and the things that keep us from connection. But then it really gets quickly to letting go of what's in the way, whether that is a problem in your life, a habit in your life, a feeling, a sentiment, whether that is insecurity or self-doubt or frustration, fears of the future, doubt stemming from the past. I 
cannot stop thinking about this episode. And it came from a recording that uh, of a conversation I had a few days ago now. I haven't stopped thinking about it since. I don't want to stop thinking about it since. I am eternally grateful for the conversation and the way that it unfolded. And I'm going to tell you so much more about that in a minute. But before we get to it, I want to share with you that today's episode is proudly and enthusiastically supported by Fabletics. Whenever we talk about how we want to feel, whenever we talk about creating a life that we love, there is no doubt that movement helps with that. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite mantras is that if you want to get out of your head, get into your body. And I know I'm not alone in sometimes, often, every day, needing to get out of my head, right? Because I'm stressed, because I'm worried, because I'm just in a funk. If you want to get out of your head, get into your body. And I always tell people that one of the reasons I love working out is because it's the time of the day when I'm not in my head. Now, granted, that is largely a result of the kind of workout I do, because if I hopped on a treadmill to go for a walk or, you know, was on an elliptical machine or something, my mind could still be racing and spinning. But CrossFit is my preferred way to exercise in large part because when I am going through that workout, I am fully in my body and fully out of my head. It is the only time of day when I'm not thinking about the to-do list or I'm not thinking about that conversation I had yesterday. Movement is so important, not just for like our physical systems and circulation and all of that kind of good stuff. Very true. But because we need a break from our heads. And one of the most profound and instantaneous ways to get out of your head is to get into your body. And one of the things that can make this so much easier is feeling good about the clothes you're wearing and being able to move well in them and you're not tugging up your sports bra or pulling up your pants or feeling like things are riding in places where they shouldn't be rode. Ridden? You know what I mean. I know you know what I mean. And that's one of the reasons that I really love Fabletics. Because you don't have to spend a bajillion dollars to have workout clothes that are really adorable and that fit really well and that you want to wear, that you get excited about putting on, that you trust when you are moving. Fabletics clothes are comfortable, they are well made, they are absolutely adorable, and you're not going to break the bank. You know the drill. Fabletics has a deal for you guys where when you sign up through fabletics.com forward slash primal potential, you get two pairs of leggings for $24. Two pairs of leggings for $24, which is insane. That pricing is amazing. And as I've said to you before, if leggings aren't your thing, take advantage of that deal for your sister, your daughter, your coworker, your best friend's birthday. Hello. I'm all about budget savings. So um, yeah, that is a no brainer. I just placed an order um, because I was thinking about needing to talk about Fabletics or wanting to talk about Fabletics both um, on today's episode. I personally got the, the uh, Masetta Seamless Top M-U-S-E-T-T-A. I got the Masetta Seamless Top. And the thing I liked about it is that I can both wear it to the gym and also around the house as well as running errands, going to the post office, something I would totally wear either with leggings but also with jeans, meeting somebody for coffee. Uh, so I got the the Masetta Seamless Top as well as two more pairs of the Seamless High-Waisted Mesh Leggings. Again, I wear them to the gym, but I also feel super comfortable wearing them to the grocery store, to the post office, etc. In fact, if you were to run into me on the street, I would say there's about a 70% chance that I'm wearing something from Fabletics. So when you go through fabletics.com forward slash primal potential, you are going to get hooked up with that deal, two pairs of leggings for 24 bucks. All right, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. So don't worry if you're driving, if you don't remember, you're going to want to go to the show notes anyway, because you're going to want to connect with who you hear on today's podcast. 
but you can find the Fabletics link and also a link to a blog I did on my favorite, favorite, favorite pieces from Fabletics that I just like wear all the time uh, over on the show notes. So primalpotential.com forward slash 566. It's going to link you up with Everything we talk about in today's episode, the guest on today's episode, really the star of today's episode and somebody to whom I am profoundly and deeply grateful and the Fabletics link. So primalpotential.com forward slash 566. Today's episode is straight fire. Here's how it came up. Last month, I was in California for this mastermind And I met a gentleman named Steph Sifondos. And at first, I didn't really know what he did for a living. There was just a lot of people there and putting names with faces and job descriptions and all that kind of stuff. Took a little bit of time. But he was one of those rare people that you just want to talk to forever and ever and ever because... His presence was just super calm and chill, but also very connected. Not connected in like the intense, creepy way at all. And you probably guys, you've met people like that before, but just so real and so in control in a very peaceful way. The kind of person that you meet and you're like, whatever you have figured out, I want to figure out. However your brain is working, like I want to get on your level. So after talking to him for a little bit, I sent myself an email, which is my way of reminding myself of things. I'm that girl. I sent myself an email to check out his website and listen to some interviews that he's done so I could learn more from him, even though I couldn't take him home with me, which uh, certainly would have been my preference uh, from a learning standpoint, not a relational standpoint. Which brings us to today. As soon as I learned more about him, I just couldn't wait to have a conversation with him. And this conversation, it's not what I expected at all, but I'm so glad it went there and it changed me. The conversation changed me. His work changed me. And I know that it can do the same for you. A little bit about Steph. And I will link to him, his social media stuff, his website, his work on the show notes primalpotential.com forward slash 566. He is a relational alchemist. Yep, a relational alchemist. And if you are anything like me, you're like, what is that? To hear him describe it, he facilitates transformation through conscious connection. And this really resonated with me because As I've gone through my own personal transformation, not just physically, but financially, in my relationships, in my own mindset, in the way that I think, and also the more clients I work with, the more I see that what people really need is connection. Being more connected to themselves, but also more authentically connected to other people. We're in this age of social media where so many people are curating their lives. Like, I only want you to see this part of me and I only want you to see me this way. And that leads to a lot of isolation. And this is something that actually came up in episode 556, the previous episode where we were talking about sneaking food. And even though you might think that it's just about food, it's not. It is about hiding yourself. And so I really thought that we were going to go into this conversation about how to more authentically connect with other people, how to have more realness and more depth in the relationships in your life, not only with family and friends and loved ones, but also with ourselves. And we definitely went there, but in a a different way than I expected. And this, the way this conversation unfolded, I, I want to make it clear so that I can give Steph credit, um, but also to maybe show what sometimes growth takes, what growth requires of us in terms of bravery. 
So as the episode starts out, you'll hear that Steph and I were just having a conversation about about relationships and about hiding and about the masks that we wear. And I'm thinking to myself as we're having this conversation, how can I make sure that my listeners, that every one of you feels like they have the tools to do some of this work? The challenge, though, is that a lot of this work really does require a coach, somebody who, when we are in the maze, they are in the helicopter and they can direct us. And so I asked him, can can you and I kind of go through this process, this process that you take your clients through so that they can see what that's like? My listeners, you guys. And he could have easily said no, because... It require you know, he doesn't know me, know me. We've talked a few times, but to put him on the spot without really knowing much about me and my life and my past certainly requires a lot of courage and bravery from him. And of course, I had to be willing to go there and to share and to be real and authentic, not knowing what would come up. So I want you to think about this as you go through it in your own life as you maybe walk through for yourself this process that Steph took me through after our initial conversation kind of about relationships and connection and masks, I want you to keep in mind that these breakthroughs require bravery and they require honesty and they require that the things that maybe scare you or the things that you don't necessarily want to talk about or acknowledge, that's where the magic is. So of course I'm going to link up with Steph in the show notes. I want you guys to connect with him. I know he has so much to offer you in the world, but I just want to take a minute to publicly thank Steph for being willing to take this risk and have this conversation with me, not knowing what was going to come from it. We both could have been like, dead end, stumped, whatever. But he went there and the gift that he gave me is tremendous. And I know that it will be as tremendous for each of you who hears it. I have so many thoughts about the conversation that unfolded in this episode, and I promise to share them with you on the other side of this conversation with Steph Safandos. Where I wanted to start our conversation is evolving the quality of your relationships because the couple of things I was writing down buzzwords when I was going through your website Mm. and selfishly, but also I think my deepest desire often reflects the deepest desires of a lot of my listeners. You talk about this idea of transformation through conscious connection Mm. and my experience in my own life and with my clients, is that that's what we need most when we feel unfulfilled. And we go so quickly to like weight loss, fitness, finances, Mm. but we don't really scratch the itch because what is lacking is that thing that is most rewarding and fulfilling, and that is connection, connection with ourselves and connection with other people. So can you just give me a little bit of a backstory? I'm dying to know what brought you to this in your life. Like, what was it that made you say, this is the work I want to do, and this is the work the world needs? Mm. I spent too much time in the superficial. Mm. And so whilst I believe very much in the superficial, and I think it's necessary for our growth, I spent, and I and I feel that society spends too much time in the superficial. We need it as a stage of our development, and we also need to, at some point, move beyond that when we're relating to ourselves and when we're relating to others. And so what I mean by that is to have an example of two people meeting each other for the first time. And they and superficial, there's no negative connotation to superficial, though it carries that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't mean it in a negative way or derogatory way. So two people meet for the first time and they begin to ask themselves questions about each other. Where do you live? How old you are? Brothers and sisters? Where are you from? Where did you go to school? Et cetera, et cetera. And so essentially there's two things that are going on there. We're we're identifying very simple base cultural values Mm -hmm. and personal, inter and intrapersonal values. And is there a match there? Can we have a conversation with this person? Can we continue learning about this person? And also we're looking for resonance and identifying is there a similarity? Is there 
there a, uh, an element of safety there? Can we actually bond and connect on some level of, of, of comfort and familiarity? And that's great. And so what we find is that so many intimate relationships don't actually get to experience depth and intimacy because they remain at the superficial. Yeah. Because the stuff that's 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 deep to speak to or open up can also not all the time but often carry pain with it and fear that arises from that as well and so as a protective mechanism within us within our brains and within our psyche and within our social evolution the way we've been taught to relate to people it's well let's not go down that path because we don't want to open that pandora's box because that's very deep and with the depth and the profoundness can also come the danger of fear and pain being unleashed into our our world And so we remain superficial out of a sense of safety, yet there's so much blessing and so much power that comes from going into the intimate, going into the deep, going in with awareness, deliberately going into that. And whilst it can be extremely uncomfortable, I am a massive advocate, I'm not the only one and I'm not the first. Look at Stoicism as an example, look at some of the ancient Greeks and even some of the Eastern ancient mystics, is that if we deliberately bring challenge into our lives, especially in a in a in this day and age in modernity where or contemporary times where we're so complacent in life where everything's quite easy for the western world particularly we have luxuries mm-hmm. but so a form of challenge is going into deep intimacy and having challenging conversations that lead to so much growth and union and deeper connection and bonding mm-hmm. and when we deliberately do that we we we're, we're training ourselves to not be so afraid of the unknown and the unknown and the mystery of life is so much magic there especially in, in conscious relationships, aware relationships. And I can define that later on if you like, but there's just so much value that can come from that for us, our growth. We can break the bondage of limiting patterns that we've attached ourselves to from a young age. Generally speaking, we brought them into our adult lives that don't really serve us anymore. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about those limiting patterns because I want to get a little more specific there with your help so that the person listening who agrees with you in theory that there is this value to depth, but maybe doesn't know what that looks like in their own life. Like what, and I don't mean that they don't know what it looks like to have a conversation that's more than superficial, but I think to understand the value of it, mm. why we mm. need to put ourselves mm. in these uncomfortable situations, what are some of those limiting patterns that we benefit so greatly from breaking from your experience with clients, like what are, or even in your own life, what are some of those common ones? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give some examples from my own life as opposed to giving um, generic, generic examples. Uh, and so the, the benefits of, uh, first of all, we're relational beings. We, we learn from each other. We're pro social beings. Mm-hmm. And in that learning from each other, and growing from each other because we can't always see inside of us. We can't see our our patterns of behavior that aren't necessarily healthy for us, but other people can. Mm-hmm. And so the, there's tremendous benefit, another added benefit of going deep into conversation, deep into exposing ourselves and going beyond the superficial allows us to understand ourselves with greater efficacy. And again, there's freedom and liberation and greater depth of love that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And so patterns. So for me as a young as a young boy, one of the patterns I developed was hiding my true self from the world. And so that pattern came about from protection. So I developed a coping strategy that every time or so so often as a young child, my interpretation was if I show myself, if I get excited about something, my father would often be in a bad mood and he'll lash out at me. And so I learned very quickly to be calm and be withdrawn from the world and withdrawn from my family and be very quiet. And if I was excited about something or even if I was upset about something, I wouldn't show that. Sometimes I'd go up to my father and want to hug him and he'd be, he was, he was a, a physically abusive man, an emotionally abusive man. And that was his pain and his patterning, right? So he brought that into our family life. And so I would want to go hug him and he'd push me away. And, and enough of this happened over time that I thought to myself as a kid, mm, I need to be safe. What's the best way to be safe is to just be really quiet and withdraw. So put a mask on, pretend I'm someone else. If I'm feeling something or experiencing something, don't go there and just be really quiet. And and so just sort of out of sight, out of mind sort of thing because I don't want to get hit. I don't want to get screamed at. Yeah. As a kid, that's very overwhelming. Yeah. 
And so I took a lot of that into my adult life. Now, initially, it was, I was, again, the same pattern. I was hiding from the world. I was passive. I was not really, not really speaking my truth. And that got so frustrating that I said, fuck this, and I lashed out. Mm-hmm. So I became hyper-aggressive. I would be getting into fights all the time. I would be violent. I would be aberrant. I'd be short-tempered, really frustrated. And again, it was a it was a form of or a morphing into a protective mechanism that was connected to the masking of my childhood. And I'd mask my pain and I'd mask my fears and I'd mask whatever I was feeling with aggression or even isolation or hiding from the world and so forth. So there's an example, one example, which I'm sure many men can relate to particularly, but also any human being can relate to that because we want to protect ourselves. And so what was a healthy coping strategy back then to protect my psyche was a maladaptive coping strategy as an adult, an unhealthy practice as an adult. And until I really got to the source of that, I spent many years suffering because I couldn't I couldn't make the connections in my behavior and I couldn't make the connections why my relationships would be suffering, why there'd always be tension, not always, but often tension in my relationships, why I wasn't achieving the abundance and flow that I wanted to achieve mm-hmm. and experience in life. And I was just so distant and disconnected from myself because I didn't know who I was. I was yeah. always wearing masks, so how could I know who I was? Right. So there's a very direct example. I hope that um, is clear. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I actually just recorded a podcast episode about sneaking food, which is something that we often respond to in terms of children. Like we want to talk about it in terms of my, my kid is sneaking food and how do I get them to stop? But I actually think that this really is a a very prominent adult issue that is related to these maladaptive strategies. And what I was explaining in the podcast is that when we hide behind food, when we behave differently in private, like I'll eat this way when I'm alone, but I won't eat this way when my spouse is here or when my colleagues are here and I won't eat this way in front of my friends. It's not a food issue. It's a connection issue. Oh, yeah. And we're so quick to be like, it's a food issue. It's a weight issue. And I have a food issue. No, you have a hiding issue. You have a not representing yourself as the way you want to be or not being congruent in the way you want to be perceived and the way you really feel and an inability to see that as it is not a food issue and actually an emotional issue withdrawing like you said doing things differently when it's just you in your head versus how you present yourself the mask you put on to everybody else and then curating how everybody in your life sees mm. you, really creating mm. this careful persona. Yeah, exactly. Mm. The, and, I, and I was expressing, and, and that's why I was so excited to chat with you in follow-up to that, that sure, food is a component of that. And whether mm. it's food or it's alcohol or it's spending or it's gossip or it's mm. anything else, mm. the bigger component is the isolation that it creates. Because yeah. the people you're not allowing, you're putting up these walls that prevent that connection. Mm. But taking them down can be, as you said, really scary. Super scary because it's so unfamiliar. Yeah. And so the ego attaches itself to what is familiar because what's familiar is comfortable, what's comfortable is safe. Yeah. And it's an issue of intimacy. It ultimately comes down to how we've been conditioned or how we perceive we will receive and give love, how we receive love. So if we behave in a particular way in front of people, we think that they may think of us, how others perceive us, that's going to be not acceptable. And therefore, we're going to be kicked out of the in-group into the out-group. And that is is so scary. (laughs) Death. Yeah, that's why yeah. public speaking is so scary because yeah. there's something very primal related to that. If we speak up our truth and our truth happens to not resonate with the crowd or the in-group, we're booed or we're kicked out or we're disagreed with and then we're left alone yeah. with our thoughts and our ideas and our being. And that's very, very scary. And so yeah. moving beyond that or moving through that rather, it, it requires tremendous courage and there's a process, of course, to that. And before we can even get through a process, we have to – go through an understanding of awareness, acknowledgement, and then feeling the the feelings, feeling the experience of what does it feel like to be isolated? What does it feel like that the potential fear of being rejected or abandoned and all of that that goes with it? And really feeling that and having a real visceral example of, oh, I am still alive and B, I'm actually not out of the in-group. Yeah, yeah. 
One of the things I read a blog that you wrote, um, the subject of it was, are you desirable? And I'll link to it in the show notes. But you said that you struggled to show the real you in front of others. And you felt like you weren't really wanted. There was a sense of unworthiness. Mm. And you said you wore masks to hide how scared you were of rejection. Mm. So Mm. if awareness is the first step, right? Mm. And we can say, yes, whether it is sexual rejection from my partner, and that is why I resist intimacy, or it's rejection. And that is why I have these negative thoughts about myself because they protect me. So if I think them, it doesn't hurt as bad. If I think I'm amazing and everybody else is thinking that I'm ugly or I'm fat or I'm this or I'm that. Once we have that awareness, what is the next step? Like when you're working with clients and they like, I I see the way I'm putting up these walls and these masks, Mm -hmm. then what? Immediately following that awareness, which can sometimes hit us like a frying pan in the face or a a planet smashes us, (laughs) literally a planet, we envision a a planet coming towards you about to squash you because that's what it feels like sometimes, (laughs) the intensity of that. Is to answer your question directly with respect to when I'm working with clients is immediately letting them know with everything I can that they're safe. Mm. And so creating a space of safety and non-judgment and compassion and love and forgiveness all in one in that environment that they're occupying internally and externally, so their physical environment and their internal psychosocial, psycho-emotional, spiritual landscape. Mm-hmm. And really letting them know or helping them know that they're safe and mm-hmm. that then there's no annihilation. There's no they may have the feeling of annihilation, but that's not actually occurring. And it's just an ego death. It's an awareness of something that's come up that's arisen. When I say come up, arisen to level of consciousness sure. or awareness that it's tangible now. Yeah. Uh, tangible in the sense that we can put verbiage to it and understanding it's explicit, not implicit. Mm-hmm in psychological terms, and then we're, we're actually dealing with it. And for them to really feel safe, that's the next, the next. And we'll stay there for as long as we need to, mm-hmm. obviously without being um, uh, complacent and just remaining there doing nothing and not taking action, mm-hmm. but stay there as long as we need to for them to really ground and feel safe and not, and not feel out of their body. And then sometimes we'll do very visceral exercises, whether it be breath work, whether it be some form of movement, to always ground in the body. Because when trauma is releasing through the awareness mm-hmm. and it's coming out of the body and it's coming into the mind and we, we're very confused and we don't know what to do and we're disorientated, we need to get back in the body. Because what the body is, what the mind's trying to do is kick us out of the body. Mm-hmm. Because if we're out of the body, then we don't feel the trauma. We want to come back in the body and know that we're safe. And there's various ways to do that, as I mentioned, movement, breath work, um, bodily awareness, uh, body scanning. There's different depending on the level of, of pain or suffering trauma that the individual is feeling. And so th- those two components are very important, is that sense of safety and then embodiment work. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. It seems to me that a lot of these internal issues, hiding, uh, having walls up, defense mechanisms, have these external manifestations that get the majority of our attention. So food, sex, spending, mm-hmm. Whatever it anger, whatever that Short-term is. Short term gratification. Yeah, to turn away from, right? Avoidance, distracting yourself from the true issue. How do, how would somebody listening right now who's thinking, huh, maybe that's why I'm eating, or maybe that's why I feel like I need to drink, or maybe that's why I do this thing, where would they be able to start? to put this together, to figure this out, to, to take the problem and start mm-hmm. to think about it in a slightly different way, maybe in terms of where they're blocking themselves off from connecting inwardly or outwardly. Mm. It can be very difficult initially for us, and not impossible, but very difficult, very challenging, which is, can be a very healthy thing because we, when we move through challenge, we can grow tremendously. But it can be very difficult for us, ourselves, to look at ourselves without any guidance or without any external perspective. Sure. So one of, and I'll give you a couple of tangible examples or, um, or practices, but one of the first practices that we can actually do is literally go and ask our friends or loved ones, but caveat here, it's got to be someone that you trust, respect, and revere, and that's mutual. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just ask anyone because some 
sometimes people will really hurt your ego or or dis disempower you or even disenfranchise you, and then you you just sort of left with nothing. Yeah, uh, you're left with ah, oh, I feel worse than what I did when I came here. <laughs> Great, shouldn't have done or that. You, <laughs> yeah, or you can go to a professional. You go to whether yeah. be a psychologist, a counselor, a spiritual guide, a mentor, whatever that looks like, a coach. And then ask for feedback and then they'll obviously ask you very specific questions that are relative to your behavior and your patterning mm -hmm. and they'll help provide you with suggestions like, oh, what about this or have you thought of that or is this, have you looked at this pattern and have you looked at how that influences and impacts your life here, here and here and then you go, oh, okay, I start to understand that because a lot of it is unconscious and subtle. Yeah. And so another way that you can do this on your own is a little bit of an audit, a little bit of what I call a relationship audit. And this is this is interesting. So you look at all your meaningful relationships, like all you look at all the important relationships in your life, including the relationship to yourself. And this again, this can be difficult because we have a intrinsic bias that is attempting to protect us from being quote unquote wrong. Sure. And so <laughs> yep. different. We, don't, we don't want to move away from familiarity. Yeah. And so you look at the relationship and you start auditing where in my relationships Am I experiencing pain or suffering? Or is there a consistent behavior across all these important relationships that when in difficulty or challenge in that relationship, I behave in this way? Mm. And so we start to just audit, just audit, just ask those questions and begin to audit your relationships and audit your behavior in relationships in extremes. In other words, am I behaving extreme here? And it can be difficult to identify, define extreme. That's why we sometimes need outside eyes mm -hmm. or outside perspectives. But even if there's a pattern of reaction as opposed to response in particular situations when maybe someone doesn't call you for a, a two days mm -hmm. and, you're, and you start to panic oh okay well I'm starting to panic here and oh when my mum when my mum doesn't talk to me for a few days I start to panic and I, I message my friend a few times and they don't get back to me I start to panic oh that's that's a that's a pattern I wonder what that means can I go deeper into that yeah as an example, again, it can be really challenging to do it on your own if you don't have the skills and the tools to continue that journey, to know what to ask next and to know how to prepare sure. for the next stage of the unraveling. But that can be a place to start, but I really would suggest getting support, Absolutely. particularly professional support. Yeah. And you and I both know and I think really deeply respect the value of coaches in everything. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's huge. No matter who you are, if you want to get better, get a coach. I have three at the moment. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, sometimes it can feel overwhelming. I have two. Well, no, three, actually, if I consider CrossFit. And uh, it's a yeah, lot. for sure. But let's, for the sake of showing this, if you're comfortable going there, if I give yeah. you an example of, like, this is something that triggers me, just to give people a sense of kind of what that, yeah. what that looks like in a, in a more tangible way. Yeah. So one thing that I do not react well to very consistently mm. is being dismissed. So expressing something and then, oh, you need to stop. Oh, let it go. Oh, seriously, are you going there again? Like that reaction of I'm not listening, of yeah. I don't want to hear what you have to say or how you feel, I shut down instantly. Okay. So two questions. The first is you shut down verbalize some of the feelings that are associated with that shutdown sadness yep um insignificance mm. um rejection mm -hmm. and very think, deep visceral feelings oh yeah, yeah yeah like i don't matter to you yeah so where in your life did you first experience the shutdown that i don't matter the oh. rejection um and who was with involved? My mom, when at a very young age, I my weight was a problem for her. Like yeah. five years old, it just... You weren't accepted. Nope. And it wasn't, I didn't feel accepted. I was not accepted. I was yeah. not okay as I was. And yeah. um, it was just very black and white. You yeah. are fat. That's not okay. The only thing that matters is you need to lose weight. Yeah. Did you lose weight? I gained weight. I mean, eventually, 30 years later, but yeah. for 30 but, years, absolutely not. I just ate. Yeah, you kept gaining weight. Yeah. Yep. Do you know why? Shame. Yeah. Keep going. Um, I didn't know the difference between being empty and being hungry. 
And so food felt like something I could give myself. Mm. Like when nothing else seemed really controllable. Mm. What is it? What did? You, what do you feel the weight did for you? All that weight. I mean, I, I interesting. What are the positives? What are some of the positives the weight did for you? <sighs> well, it launched my career thirty years later. <laughs> I mean, but then during though. It was it was company like food was company and weight was separation. Yeah, it was protection as well. Yeah, that's a tough one for me because it was also isolation at the same time. Yeah, you know what I mean. And what was your relationship like with your mother then growing up as a as a teenager and as a child growing up? Was that a constant point of conversation? Hundred percent of the time. Yeah. 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 Like, and that, you were so smart and so pretty and so talented. Imagine yeah. what you could be if you would just oh. lose this weight. Oh, that's interesting. So you're so smart, you're so pretty, and you're so talented, and you're so overweight. Yeah. Do you think unconsciously there's an association, if I lose my weight, I lose my talent, I lose my prettiness, no, I lose I my intelligence? No, I think it was more like she was saying, you can't be who you're supposed to be until you lose the weight. You know, like – yeah, no, go on. It was very, I have letters that she would write to me that would say, like, if you could just lose the weight, you would have all of these options. And we just need to fix this. We just need to solve this. We'll do whatever it takes. I wonder if that level of affection was somewhere within you was, and that, that attention that you were getting mm -hmm. from your mother was, oh, if, if I lose the weight, am I still going to get the attention from mum? I've never thought about that. But mm. when I think about my romantic relationships, mm. the attention always came from my weight. Not my present one, but everything else. It was like if I gained weight, there was there was tension and friction. If I lost weight, there was praise and pride. And you had accustomed to that though. Yeah, but I didn't there there wasn't attention outside of my weight. So maybe that yeah. was kind of how the I tension is familiar. Yeah. Yeah, the tension, the tension is how you give and receive love and especially how you receive love. Yeah. And so anything outside of that is very scary because, well, there's no tension, so I'm, I'm in uncharted waters. Right. Holy crap. Well, what do I do about that? This is now – I mean, this is so real, but, like, it's so – this is – this, guys, for listeners, is why you need a coach. I've thought about my weight and talked to people about my weight for – 30 plus years. So like this is the best marketing for Steph and everything <laughs> that he does. Like, um, bravo. This but is... you know how much, like I, I, I told you, I have, I feel like having, I feel like crying because uh, I'm sorry, my neck's a bit sore. Not that, that the viewers will see that, but it's audio is moving yeah. my neck around, but I have such admiration for you. And, and, and I've, I've met you once physically and we're talking now. I, I just, the level of empathy I have for you and the realisation that you're coming to, I'm not doing anything. I'm just asking a couple of questions, happen to be asking resonant questions. Your your level of realisations off the charts and it is because you're willing. That's a big component of people wanting to change. Like we need to be willing. Like you're willing to to go down a to go down in deep deep dark places and even light places within you that are just unfamiliar. Yeah. So the the power is so much so much you. Just and you asked about what you do now like you also mentioned that this relationship that you have now is a little bit different to your past relationships, correct? Yeah, he whereas in every other relationship I got attention from that person based on my weight everyone he doesn't give a flip like I could wake up tomorrow 400 pounds and he probably wouldn't even mention it like whether or not it's because he's not paying attention wouldn't even get wouldn't even get on his radar screen same thing if I lost 30 pounds and woke up tomorrow 30 pounds later we wouldn't even have a conversation about it because he his mind just doesn't go to those things but I am just now putting together with your help for the first time that that has been the way that I get attention from people forever. 
and it's been unhealthy, but it's been familiar. And that's why when we do that. It's better the devil we know. Yeah. And so what this gentleman, this beautiful human being, and pass on my, my deepest gratitude to him because he's healing you. And don't – he's not healing you, sorry. He's helping you heal. And don't think for a moment you're not doing the same for him. I guarantee you we go a little bit deeper. Some of whatever his patterns are and the way you're showing up for him, you're giving him an opportunity to either heal or just reinforce something really beautiful about himself. And potentially before that even happens, reinforce something really painful about him so he can move through that to then realize the wonder and the freedom that he has access to. Yeah. But he's, he's giving you an opportunity for you to behave differently and you're doing it. Like that, that you, when you said, what do I do now? You're doing it. I want you to really acknowledge that because when we acknowledge what we're experiencing, we fortify the wisdom of that experience. When we don't acknowledge it, yeah. it, it, it slips through our fingers like, like water. Yeah. And yeah. so acknowledge that because you're doing because you're relating differently to him. Are you unless of course you're pushing back, causing friction, causing tension, putting on more weight? I don't see you putting on more weight. No, because you feel safe. Yeah, because you're not judged. Right for the first time. For the first time. For the first time. Because you because for you to attract that level of man in your life, you've made the changes and the shifts, the internal shifts prior to him coming in. Right. Hence why he's in your life. Right. And now that you feel non-judgment. You're not completely freaking out about it to the point where, whoop, we've got to eat more, got to put more weight on because this is to a normal. To get that, right. Correct. Right. You're actually accepting the non-judgment. You're accepting the, the unconditional, call, let's call it unconditional love, unconditional care. Yeah. And you're experiencing that because, acknowledge this please, because you're in the healthiest place you've ever been. I, be I believe that. I see that in my life. I see it. Like I that feel is, it. yeah, that is wild. And it feels very freeing to see that piece of it that I haven't seen before. So like, thank yeah. you for that, because that is, and we could pass compliments back all day long and, and meet it from <laughs> the bottom of our hearts, but no, that is uh, your presence, like your willingness to give yourself fully to a conversation. And that is such a gift, you know, to, to listen and hear what isn't said. And that, that is a real gift. And like, I just feel tremendously grateful for that. Thank you. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh my God. So like, I don't even need there. There's just nothing that can follow up that. That's so powerful. <laughs> so for the tens of thousands of people that are going to hear this and be like, how do I work with you? <laughs> Where can people connect with you and learn more about the way that you are helping people yeah. connect in their yeah, own lives I with themselves and with other people? You can follow me on uh, any of my social media handles, Stephanos Safandos. Uh, and I'm sure you'll put that spelling in the show notes because yes, it's not exactly yes, yes. John Smith. <laughs> if there's anyone with John Smith, it's a great name. <laughs> my, my brother's name is Yanis, which is John in English, so yeah. it's a great name. <laughs> and my beautiful uncle as well who I adore and, and, and revere deeply. Um, and my website, stephsafandos.com or stephanossafandos.com. I will absolutely yeah. link all of those things up. And I would love to ask for you to share with my listeners before we go, what if you could wave a magic wand mm. and have them believe something that you know belief in changes like when you have this core belief when you know this to be true doors open for you what belief would you give to them if you could grant them that ability I'm a blessing and a curse and more of a blessing sometimes occurs is I'm a, and not to be, um, not to be cliche. I'm a, I'm a deep empath. And so when you ask that question, I, I, I literally feel seven and a half billion people transforming and it's very overwhelming for me. I didn't get, get have a moment to just, uh, center myself and, and refocus. And so, sure. <laughs> What I would, what I would, the, the, the guidance I would say is that if you could only recognize the resplendent nature of your being and see yourself for who you truly are, the pain and the fears that you feel conscious and unconscious would actually be a blessing, and we would, you, we would use them so seamlessly and effortlessly to grow and expand our awareness of self and our awareness of our relationships and this thing called consciousness and reality. Mm. see yourself for who you truly are i love that and that takes ongoing effort right like it's ongoing that, redirection mm. because we 
this came up so many times when we were together in California in in the room, in the meeting room with all of these successful, bright, hardworking, ambitious, beautiful people, insecurity comes yep. up again and again and again, self-doubt, yep. uh, fear of rejection, fear of not belonging. And so it, this is not a one and done kind of thing, this seeing just what is so true and real and wonderful in all of us, but it is a decision again mm. and again and again yeah. Yes, to keep returning. And I always remind myself and my clients, there is so much more that is right with you than is wrong with you. you yeah. Know? And there's yeah. so much more that is right in your life than is wrong in your life. Yep. And yeah, it's, it's just, you got to keep coming back to it again and again and again. I am like, I feel like I owe you the world right now for <laughs> um, helping me see something that I just hadn't put together before. And I just have unspeakable gratitude for your time and your talent and your heart and I can't wait to talk to you again. I know we're going to be recording again next week for the radio. Yes. Um, and this just makes me all the more excited. So thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for really helping me heal today. Oh, Elizabeth, what a, what a, what a tremendous honor. Thank you. I'm deeply humbled. And thank you for the opportunity to come and speak on your podcast and just really jam with you for a little. That's it was beautiful. My pleasure. Oh, my goodness, guys. I just can't tell you how important this work is, how grateful I am for Steph's willingness to go there with me. I want you to follow him on Instagram. I want you to check out his work and his website. I will link to all of that on the show notes, primalpotential.com forward slash 566. I want to take a couple minutes to share with you what I've done with what we learned, what I learned, what Steph helped me figure out since then. So the first thing that I did was call my mom and share it with her, which is pretty typical. And my mom and I are very close. For those of you who are newer to the podcast, she has uh, been on the show a couple of times. And the next thing I did was have a conversation with my boyfriend because that that trigger point that we started with in this conversation of the eye rolling, the like, oh, stop, really? You're doing this again? That is something that I would say comes up most often with my boyfriend, who was also on the show on Valentine's Day. We answered your questions. Um, and the reason it comes up most with him probably is more related to the majority of the interactions in my life are with him because we live together. But I shared with him, you know, hey, this is why I'm reacting this way when you cut me off or you roll your eyes or you don't let me finish. But I wasn't telling him that to change his reaction because, guys, that's not my work. That's not your work. I wasn't saying, hey, I want you to get it so that you do things differently. I wanted him to know so that we can connect better. It brings me closer to him when I share that with him. But it is not my work or my priority to adjust his response. That's his work, not mine. What he does in terms of how he reacts to me, I can't control that, nor do I want to. However, this awareness allows me to respond differently. Being able to say, okay, when I want to share with you, when I want to talk about something, when I have this desire for you to listen to me, it's about attention. And that's not, that's not good or bad. It just is. I think sometimes we think of attention seeking as like a bad thing. We shouldn't want attention. And if you're feeling that, I want you to reframe it. Of course I want my boyfriend's attention. Of course I do. That is part of connection. You can't connect with anybody if you don't have their attention. So I'm not thinking, well, geez, I shouldn't you know, want his attention. Of course I should. But I need to say that. I get to take this and use it to respond differently. Instead of assuming that I'm going to get his attention or assuming that now that he knows that I'm trying to get attention, that he'll give it. No, no, no. The work is mine to say, hey, babe, 
I want your attention right now. Is this a good time? Like, can you give me your attention right now? And maybe he's processing through his own day at work or he's worried about something or he has something else to do or he's in the middle of something on his phone or he's just like not feeling it, you know? But at least I'm being more clear about it and I'm not setting myself up for an expectation that he's going to know or respond a certain way. But I'm excited to now be able to say, hey, I would love your attention. Is this a good time? And then if it's yes, can we go for a walk together? This is what I need from you. This is what I want from you. Can we have dinner without our phones? Can we have a conversation about this thing? Can you listen while I tell you this story? I just want you to hear it. I want to know that I have your full attention as I tell you. That's on me. That is my opportunity to be more clear about what I want. So that was one thing that I really took away from this, but not the biggest. The power of this conversation, I don't even know that I'll, I certainly can't now think about it without emotion, nor do I feel like I need to or want to, but I I can't even imagine a time where I will be able to reflect on this without a depth of emotion that's really gratitude. My weight, the weight thing, the weight thing with my mom, with every boyfriend or husband I ever had, only in one husband, but you know what I'm saying, except for my present boyfriend. It's It's been my way of getting attention. It was the only way I knew how to get attention. And it fascinates me that that was how Primal Potential started too. About my weight, right? My journey with food, my struggle with my weight, my transformation pictures, all of that. And it's so interesting that now that the pieces are sort of starting to come together for me, over the last year or so, I knew that I didn't want Primal Potential to be synonymous with Elizabeth Benton for a number of reasons. And I knew that the pattern of seeing success stories doesn't create transformation, right? So I was intentionally not leading with my own story. I was intentionally pulling primal potential to a what I felt was a more effective message that was more about the internal change that creates the external results versus the external results hoping they'll make an internal change. All of these things, simultaneously what was happening is primal potential was not about my weight right? Anymore. Or your weight. My relationship for the first time was not about my weight. And to realize that so much of that was because I was healing, because I was growing, because I had come to the realization that life is not about body weight, that my days have so much more to offer me without the thoughts about food and weight being the dominant theme. So after I had this conversation with Steph, I had to race out of the house to get to my gym. And I was just constantly thinking and thinking and thinking about it. And the next morning, I was racing around trying to get ready for a family party that I was hosting, but I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So I took a pause. And I was in the shower. And I was thinking about all the ways that my weight was the tool I used for attention. Not just with my mom, not just with my boyfriends, with my friends. My, my jokes about my weight were how I would get attention. I used my weight as the way to get attention from my volleyball coach in high school. I was afraid I was going to get cut from the team. And I wrote him this big, long letter about my weight. And how I was, you know, doing all these different things to lose weight. So, so please put me on the team, coach, because I'm losing weight. It was how I got attention when I lost weight. Praise for losing weight. The constant talking about dieting and strategies to lose weight. It was how I got attention. And that past is very real. Like that, that is is how I grew up. The book, if you've read Chasing Cupcakes, um, is dedicated to Betsy because Betsy is what I was called growing up, so my family still calls me. So while I was 
taking a shower and thinking about Betsy, right? It was me, but all the ways that I would use my weight to get attention, I started to meditate just to kind of free my mind. And the thought that came to me so clearly was me, 35 years old, in the shower, Elizabeth Benton, Betsy, what do you need from me now? Sweet, sad, lonely Betsy, what do you need from me now? And instantly, before the thought had even fully formed in my mind, the response was, stop thinking about your weight. That's not who you are. There's so much more. Stop thinking about your weight. And it was and it was it was me. It was Betsy. It was this 8-year-old sad little girl pleading, "Stop thinking about your weight. Enough already." And as instantly, two different almost like competing thoughts, though I don't think they're competing. I think they can live together. The first one was kind of fear, like, "Well, I can't stop thinking about my weight because then you know, I'll, I'll gain weight. This will happen. This bad thing. But the other thought was, trust yourself. Trust me. You know enough. You've grown enough. And I know that's true. I've grown enough. I can trust myself. I trust That I know I don't like how I feel when I'm not taking care of myself. So that's not going to happen. And I've been living that very much over the last year, two years, year and a half or so. Maybe not that long. Just this trust that like I'm going to do what feels right for me. And that's enough. I can trust myself. I can trust my practice. I can focus exclusively on how I want to feel. And it was like in that moment that the final piece of the puzzle came for me. Like I can let go of that struggle. That I can live the solution without worrying about the problem. That I can be the solution And not the problem. And you can too. It is okay if you don't trust yourself. But you can choose to live that way today with trust. Connected to something that is bigger Because to me, not worrying about my weight doesn't mean not caring about my health or myself or my choices. No, I want to feel amazing. And that has nothing to do with my weight. I felt and I feel more empowered, more confident, more peaceful, more certain, more sure, more secure. And I also want to say I didn't get there alone, right? I've been doing a lot of work for a long time. It wasn't just an instant moment. But to Steph's point, that's why we need coaches. I've got three coaches and accountability partners. I have a couple accountability partners in the Masters Club. I have a couple accountability partners from my mastermind, my business people that I'm working with. Steph has coaches. Do you have a coach? And honestly, one of the things that people fear with coaches is like, I can't afford to have a coach. Must be nice. I can't afford it. It's not money spent. It's money invested. Okay. And and this is something that I wish I had figured out earlier in my life. But we tend to think of things as I spend this money and it's gone. You do spend the money, but it creates a return for you. And it's not just an emotional return. I spent this money and in return, I feel better. I am telling you that as you gain clarity through coaching, as you create improvements through coaching, it doesn't just make you feel better. 
You will make more money. You will save more money. You will create and find and accept new opportunities in your life. I am one of the most frugal people I know. And I am telling you that this thing you're thinking of as spending, it doesn't work that way. That when you invest in yourself, it is an investment, which means there is a return. That it pays for itself and then some. Not just in how you feel and the improvements you create in your life, but relationally, financially, emotionally. And obviously, there's a lot of really terrible coaches, just like there's a lot of really terrible everything. So the first thing I would say to you is find somebody you vibe with. And if it was Steph, connect with Steph. I'm linking him up in the show notes, primalpotential.com forward slash 566. You can follow him on Instagram, see his vibe. It's amazing. Check out the programs that he has, his coaching opportunities. Or if you feel like you vibe with me, what are you waiting for? Pull the trigger. Work with me. It's an investment. There is... um, So I'm building this new office space for myself on the new property. And I'm actually renovating an existing space, same, same. But one of the quotes that will be predominant on the wall in there says, if you want to double your income, triple your growth. And it doesn't mean growth of the business. It means growth of yourself. So if you want to 2x your health, 3x your growth, your personal growth. If you want to double the impact, the connectedness in your relationship, triple your growth. And yes, you can do it on your own for sure. But it is easier, it is faster, and it's more fun with a coach. So I just want to leave you with that thought because this work is so important. And Steph made a great point when he was like, I mean, it can be hard to see some of this stuff without the insight of somebody else. So who do you vibe with? Who do you feel connected to? And allow them to coach you. I just want to wrap up again with my most powerful and profound thanks and gratitude for Steph, his time, his attention, his passion, his heart, because it changed my life. Love you guys. I'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.